Hello, hello, and welcome to The Big Reveal with me, Dorothy Coombson. Episode two here coming at you, and um, of episode two of the big reveal, I should say. I need to get more. I need to get it in more. The name of the podcast more, and it has been a very, very, very busy week here at uh, Dorothy Coombson Towers. I um, well, this week was saw the launch of a year of Dorothy, celebrating the twentieth. The 20 years of being published, um, being a published author, you know, really, it's really weird because I actually don't feel like I've been a published author for 20 years. It, sometimes it still feels like I'm just starting and then sometimes it feels like I've been doing this forever and I didn't have a life before I was a published author and writing books and then going through all the publishing process with all the stuff, reading the proofs and all that business and then trying to get it out there and trying to get people to buy it and read it. And um, yeah, but I had a whole life before this, which is which is what's really weird, even though I am only 29. So I don't know how that works out. Actually, I'm going to have to retire that joke because it's going to wear very thin very soon. In fact, I think it has actually worn a bit thin anyway. So Thank you for coming back. If this is your second time dipping into the Big Reveal podcast, I hope you enjoyed it the first time. I hope you enjoyed our first time together and I hope you're going to enjoy this second time together. Now, I'm going to start by going through what I have been up to and I have been up to quite a lot since the first podcast went up. Most notably... This week, I was up in London with my publisher's headline celebrating the 20 years of being published, like I just said. And we had a party in uh, Hachette. They're based in Carmelite House, which is just around the corner from Blackfriars Station. And they had a roof garden. They have a rooftop garden. And, And I thought, when we were talking about having a party to celebrate, I thought... Oh, let's go to the rooftop garden um, because it's lovely. It's got brilliant views. You can hold lots of people and it's just there. So we booked it and it was all good. Everything's happening. Invites go out. You know, they get the caterers sorted. And then I'm, I decide my new thing is sewing. Now, if you've been on my newsletter or you follow me on social media, you know that I've been getting into sewing a bit more. I think this is my like my midlife crisis thing. I, I haven't got a fast car. I have actually decided to start sewing and I, and I really love it. I love sewing because you just sit there and you focus on what you're doing. You focus on the pattern. I can't follow patterns, really. The instructions are usually quite poor and I'm not very good at being told what to do. So, you know things things happen 
And and then I, I get on lots of TikTok videos, TikTok videos, and they show you how to do stuff really quickly and easily. And I think, oh, I can do that. So anyway, I decided to make my outfit. And I decided to make my outfit a long time ago, a long, long time ago. But true to Coombson form, it's the week before, it's four days before, and I'm starting to do it for, for real, for proper. So I managed to do it. I managed to make this really nice jacket with these huge sleeves, which was what exactly how I envisioned it in my head. And I think, actually, I can't, I can't go on. I've got all these things to do before the party on Wednesday. So what I'm going to do is not make a skirt. And then my husband's like, you've got to make a skirt. You can't just do this. You can't just have the top, which is lovely. You need to have the skirt. So I kind of thought, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Especially because my needle broke and the other needle, was the sewing machine needle snapped and the one before that bent. So I was like, I just, I can't face it. But then the Dorothy Coombsonness of my life came to the fore. And I remembered that I'm always very good with a deadline, with a very short deadline. So I did it. I made the skirt. I finished it at like three o'clock in the morning, three o'clock Wednesday morning. So my party day, I finished it. And guess what had happened to me just a few hours earlier? I had got an email from my lovely editor, Jen, saying that our venue, the lovely Carmelite House, which was the rooftop garden with views across London, the lift wasn't working. And because it's a rooftop garden, it's on the sixth floor, which is actually seven flights of stairs. Yeah, no more lifts. The lifts have all been taken out of service. And there's no even, not even a service lift. I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. And I thought, oh, that's not great. But as I said to Jen, me, the optimist forever, said, you know what? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So they had to email everybody and let them know that the lifts are out of service. And you know what? I didn't actually, actually think about what that would actually mean until I got there and then I was standing at the bottom, looking up, going, oh, and we had to climb seven flights of stairs. Everybody had to climb seven flights of stairs. There was no special dispensation for anything. It was not good. I am here to tell you, climbing seven flights of stairs in your party gear is not good. Yeah, I I had to stop three times. I'm not ashamed to say that. I had to stop three times. It wasn't even the breathing, which I kind of, as soon as I started, to rem I remember to do my running breathing, which is breathing through your nose and out through your mouth. That was fine. My lungs were sorted. It was my knees. My knees were not happy. They were like that. You know what, Coombson? Are you sure this party is where you want to be? got up to the seventh floor, got up to the sixth floor, got up to the roof garden, had a drink waiting for me, thankfully. But the whole night, people coming in, they were like, oh man, those stairs, you see how much I love you, Coobson? I did those stairs for you. Um, <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> I should have laughed, but people's faces, it was just oh man it was just it was just so typical this is so brand coombson this is just like everything's planned planned for ages and then right last minute there's a big reveal and the big reveal is that you've got a seven flight 
um, of Stair's journey ahead of you. So yeah, that was great. But once we got up there, we had such a nice time. There were so many lovely people from across publishing, my friends, people I know from Brighton, booksellers. It was just so lovely. And and what was really nice was people, everyone talked to each other. They didn't sort of kind of stick into little groups. Everyone talked to each other and everyone just had such a good time. We took lots of photos. There was lots of drink. There was lots of canapes, beautiful views. And my lovely editor, Jen, made a really nice speech. And I made a speech which I think was nice. I don't actually remember much of it, but everyone came up to me and said it was nice. So all good. And then, um, yeah, it was just so nice to see everybody. To see, I didn't get to talk to people as much as I would have liked to, but that's what happens at your parties, don't you? You don't ever get to speak to as many people, but I got lots of pictures with people and I just, I just felt so much love in the room and it was just so nice and it was kind of fitting that... My first book, which is all about a woman who kind of changes her life and then has an effect around on all the people around her, it kind of like it was being celebrated by all these people who are from all the different aspects of my life. Yeah, it was great. So that's mainly what I've been doing. And then the next day I went to back to Calm Lighthouse, but this time I wasn't up on the sixth floor. I was interviewed by David Shelley. Probably don't know who he is, but he is the CEO, big boss, big cheese of Hachette. A few years back, he was my editor for a while, whilst my editor was on maternity leave. We had a nice chat and it was very funny just talking to him. He looks, he always looks really nervous in those situations with me because he doesn't know which way it's going to go because I I often go rogue and I often just say whatever's on my mind. So that was a really nice chat. We also had some, we had some really good questions. One of the questions that we had was from a guy who asked if I would ever want to write literary books because he knows I'm very much in the commercial space. I love my popular fiction. I love my fiction that, you know, that you devour and that makes people jump and it makes people surprised it makes them gasp and he said would I want to write a literary novel and I was like mm, not really I haven't really considered it because me and commercial fiction is where I am at at and and I sort of kind of said you know what I think you have to be quite deep to become to write a literary novel and me I am proper shallow and yeah, on that note, I shall get on with the show. Okay, now I am going to read some letters from people, letters and messages from people who have wonderfully listened to The Big Reveal and sent me their thoughts. The first one comes from someone called Tilly and she has said, Dear Dorothy, I just want to say that I love your podcast, smiley face, and ask you to keep doing it. Another smiley face. You actually give me a push to start a podcast with my husband. Hoo-hoo, I am, I cannot wait. I want to hear this. Um, she doesn't say that. I said that. Just because we love to talk about everything and we'd love to share our thoughts with the world. We'd love Tilly, your truly, truly fan from Portugal more than 10 years ago and counting. 
and that's lovely. I really, I'm really glad it's inspired people to um, to start their own podcast. I'm very excited. I will be looking out or listening out for Tilly's podcast. But thank you to her for letting me know what she thought. I'm, I feel I'm quite chuffed by that. Don't forget that you can always message me and let me know what you think. I'm getting up another message here, which is, hold on one second. Other messages I got when I said that what I was watching was couples therapy. And my lovely friend for Luke has said, it's fascinating. Reminds me of the COVID years. It was such a huge distraction watching this. And somebody called Onika said, best show ever. I'm endlessly fascinated by the couple's dynamics and it's so smart and it is so smart. Both of them are so right. It's just really fascinating. But I did have to mention that to them both that the therapist wasn't, wasn't, uh, well, she was a bit, she was a bit not great with certain couples. I have to, I have to qualify that, but we discussed that last time. So another message, I got another message, which I'm going to read half of it to you now. But she actually does give me a question for, I've got a book for that, so you'll be hearing that later on. But I'll read the beginning of her message because it's such a nice message. It's from somebody called Sharon. Hi Dorothy, just finished listening to your first podcast. I only listen to podcasts whilst ironing, which I detest. What a pointless, never-ending chore. But I'm happy to report that I iron more items than usual because I was happily listening to you and answering you. So was very glad to hear that you were waving at the end. Just the sort of thing I always do. Really enjoyed it. Have been a huge fan of your books since my daughter bought me a copy of The Chocolate Run for my birthday many years ago. Another confession here. It's not a book that I would have chosen myself, but as it, as it was a gift, I felt I had to read it. And what a gift it was. Have been a huge fan ever since. Well done on beginning the podcast before ensuring it was, in your opinion, perfect. I am sure all of your listeners already think that it is perfect. Your comment reminded me of a conversation I was having my, with my boss a few weeks ago. Now, I'm going to stop there because the rest of the letter is about, I've got a book for that. And I do indeed have a book for her problem, in inverted commas. So I actually have a couple of books for that. So I'm going to stop there and just remember that Sharon said some lovely things about me and then we'll come back to the rest of her letter in a little while. Okay, so that is the your letters and your communications. I have a couple more, but I can't find them at the moment. I thought I'd got them all up and ready, but I haven't. So I'll leave that there. As I said, please, please get in touch. Let me know what you're thinking. Send me letters and problems for I've got a book for that. Or just let me know through the various places that you can contact me through what you think of my choices my book club choices and which is obviously coming later and the tv i'm watching the podcasts i'm listening to and everything else in between so first up first up the babies is um what i'm reading I am, what I'm reading is, I uh, well, I'm not still, I'm not currently reading it because I finished it. Remember my, in the last episode, I was, I had just started Until Proven Innocent by Nicola Williams. Um, and I, um, 
said I was going to let you know how I got on with it. And I got on with it great. Absolutely great. I thought it was a bit gangsterish at the start. I remember I said, I think I said, um, gangsterish books aren't really my thing. I don't watch any of those gangsterish stuff. My husband loves it. And so anything like that, I just kind of pass on to him. But um, it wasn't at all gangsterish. It was a tiny little bit, tiny enough that I could, I could carry on reading and not worry about getting into the whole gangster scene, as it were. But the, it was a great read. Yeah. You know what? It was a great read. I really enjoyed it. All the characters are really well-rounded and well-rendered. And by that, I mean that you can, you can almost see them when she's describing them. She doesn't describe them in great detail. But for the things they do and they say and the way that she describes how other people react to them physically and emotionally, I just, I could really see them and, you know, really envisage what they were doing. There were so many little nice touches and there's lots of stuff that I would love to discuss with somebody. So if you have read it, do drop me a line because we can talk about a couple of those twists. I did guess some of them. I did kind of, but that's partly because I... I read very, very slowly and I take in every single thing that people say. But, you know, there were some good twists. You had to be really looking for them, I think, sometimes to find the twists. But it was a great reading experience. And, yeah, let me read you the blurb again so that you can get an idea. If you didn't listen to the last episode, you can get an idea of what it's about. Let me just get it up here one second. Okay, here we go. Until Proven Innocent by Nicola Williams. Lee Mitchell is a young barrister from a working class Caribbean background in the cutthroat environment of the courtroom. Everything is stacked against her. On her doorstep in South London, the 15-year-old son of the pastor at the local black church is shot and the local community is shattered. All evidence is pointing to the infamously corrupt racist police officer, Sergeant Jack Lambert, as the irredeemable subject, suspect. His own boss, rebel-turned-copper Danny Wallace, is certain he is guilty. Against her will, Lee is strong-armed into defending him. With cries of Black Lives Matter echoing, the, echoing it in the streets, Lee is at the centre of the turmoil as lies, anger and mistrust spiral out of control. With the line between her personal and her professional life becoming increasingly blurred, Lee keeps asking herself the same question. How can she defend the indefensible? Like I say, I liked reading this book so much. I loved Lee and I loved Danny Wallace. Yeah, great. You know what? If you have read it, do let me know what you thought, if you got those twists and who your favourite characters were. And if you haven't, do look at picking it up. It is a great read and I really hope you enjoy it if you do. We are moving on to um, what I'm watching. I have a confession here. I had something else down for what I was watching, but I've decided to move that to another time, mainly because I wasn't enjoying it that much. And why would I waste my time talking about something I'm not enjoying? Instead, I am going to talk about what I am enjoying. And what I am enjoying is a program called Ted Lasso. Now I have been hearing about Ted Lasso for a couple of years I think 
it's been on my my uh, social media feeds, people talking about it and how great it is and how funny it is. And I've always thought maybe I will try it. Maybe I might not because it's about football. Not the biggest football fan. I have no interest in football, to be fair. But then I got, I bought an Apple device and discovered that I had, I mean, I've had Apple TV before, but I had another two month, I think, or month subscription to Apple TV for free. So I thought, oh, well, I'll fire up the Apple TV subscription again and got myself watching Ted Lasso, me and my husband watching it. And I have to say, it is a doozy. It is brilliant. It's so, you know, my husband kind of sits there and goes, oh, it's not very good. But then he's laughing his head off. And it's that quiet humour, that humour that you don't, that's not in your face and it's not nasty. It's in no way nasty. And it's all really feel good. And okay, before I go further, let me circle back and give you a bit of an overview of what the show is about. Okay, Ted Lasso, an American college football coach, is unexpectedly unexpectedly recruited to coach a fictional English Premier League soccer team, AFC Richmond, despite having no previous experience coaching soccer. The team's owner, Rebecca Welton, hires Lasso, hoping he will fail as a means of exacting revenge on the team's previous owner, her unfaithful ex-husband. However, Ted's charm, personality and humour begin to win over Rebecca, the team and those who have been sceptical about his appointment. And like I say, it's just a doozy. It's such a good programme and it's so nice. And not nice in that snide way where everything's like, oh, everything's cool and everything's pretty and nice. It's just funny and caring. It's got some really great characters characters who are just some of them are horrible but they always find some sort of redemption but not it's really hard to describe it Ted Lasso the character of Ted Lasso he's just such a good guy but he has such deep pain as well there's always this there's all this awful stuff going on inside him but he tries so hard to just be so nice and to care about people and there is so much humor so much humor and and then there's there'll be a really sad bit but then it'll be turned around in an unexpected way as well and there's some really great characters characters who you technically want to hate but are just so endearing um i mean it's just brilliant it's just absolutely brilliant and i really hope if you haven't seen it that you manage to get a chance to watch it and um, like I say, it's on Apple TV, so not everybody's got Apple TV. But but if you have got Apple TV already, then honestly, do yourself a favour. Do yourself a favour. Sit down and watch about two or three. They're not that long, the episodes. Watch about two or three episodes in one go. And I can guarantee, I can't guarantee, guarantee, but I will, I am guessing that you'll want to keep coming back for more you want to keep watching the episodes we are coming up to the end of season two and i think season three is the is the last ever our last ever series which i'm a bit sad about but i'm always willing for tv shows to end a lot sooner than before you kind of go off them or before they go stale but ted lasso is just so funny 
There's some really funny, brilliant bits in it. And yeah, I can't think of anything else to say that's not just watch it. Just watch it and let me know what you think because it's such an endearing program. And there's a lot of swearing for such a program that's so nice. There is so much swearing, so much swearing, which is fine with me because you know me. I'm actually quite impressed that I haven't actually sworn at all in my podcast yet because I can have a bit of a a bit of a mouth on me shall we say but pick up Ted Lasso watch Ted Lasso if you um, can and let me know what you think because I would love to hear what you think because they're like I say there's lots of really really funny characters and it's really interesting to see where the characters go and what happens to them and how they change but how they stay the same as well so yeah that's Ted Lasso on Apple TV yeah give it a watch let me know what you think and in a change to scheduled programming i'm going to say what else i've been watching but what not what i've been cringe watching i should say and what i have been cringe watching is dawson's creek dawson's creek is back on it's on itv2 i think it is it's on every morning from nine o'clock i think it's nine o'clock and then ten o'clock on itv2 one and I just happened to catch it a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, that it was on. So I started watching it and it's on after One Tree Hill, which is a whole nother episode in itself. But yeah, do you know what? I, I can't even believe that I used to watch Dawson's Creek. I used to watch it every single week when it was on Channel 4 on um, T4, which was a Sunday morning program. So it used to have, it used to be an omnibus, so it used to have quite a few episodes. And I can't even believe that I used to watch it so religiously. I was working at Just 17 at the time. So, and Just 17, obviously, it was a teen magazine, an older teen magazine. So we had to cover things like Dawson's Creek. But beyond that, I'm sure when I stopped working at Just 17, I still watched it. And I can't believe I did. The characters are so awful. I mean, they're all terrible people. I can't even pretend. I sit there watching it going, my goodness, I actually thought this was good. I actually really, I just ate it up at the time. And now I'm watching it going, wow. I mean, Dawson, talk about self-obsessed. My goodness. He actually says at one point to his dad, his dad's going through marital problems and he's having this on-off thing with Jen, the new girl in town, and his best friend, Joey, who's been around forever and he's like we're just a couple of good guys and we just can't catch a break and I'm like really oh man I mean Pacey played by Joshua Jackson I like him I've always liked Pacey's character but even he's a bit mm, borderline and yeah but weirdly I can't stop myself watching it I mean if I'm here and it's nine o'clock in the morning a weekday morning I can't stop myself putting it on it's just not, yeah, it's not possible really um, to stop myself. But it's still terrible. And I don't mean terrible, in, um, I don't like trashing other people's work. I don't mean terrible in like, it's badly written. It's not badly written. It's just so cringe. There's just so much of it that's it's just weird. The characters, the storylines, the people, weird. But I can't stop watching it. So what does that say about me? weird anyway let me know if you i'm not going to read you that the blurb because i just can't face it but 
if you have been cringe watching it too, or even if you've been properly watching it and thinking, oh, this is brilliant, let me know. Convince me otherwise. I am very open to being convinced otherwise. But I think part of the reason why I'm still watching it is partly nostalgia to remember that time of my life. Like I said, the life I had before I was a published author. So there you go. I'm also cringe watching Dawson's Creek. And now we get to the part of the podcast where I talk about what I am listening to. What I'm listening to is a podcast I constantly listen to. I come back to it on a regular basis and that is Say Your Mind with Kelechi Akafor. And the blurb reads, I'm going to start with the blurb this time. The blurb reads, Kelechi Akafor is the host of Say Your Mind. Tune in every Monday for her unique and hilarious take on tarot, current events and pop culture sprinkled with bad language and abundance of straws. Now, I've been listening to Say Your Mind on and off for three or four years, I think it is now. I mean, it's been going a lot longer, but I started listening to it way back in 2019, 2018. And it's just, it's basically Kelechi. Kelechi is like a force of nature. She's this amazing woman who's an actress and she decided to start a podcast because she had a lot to say for herself. And she does amazing work. She's building a children's home in Nigeria and she like I say she's an actress and she she's not afraid of saying what she thinks you know and holding people to account holding people accountable now if you follow me on a couple of the social media platforms you'll know that I'm constantly having a go at the government because why wouldn't I be um to be fair and Kalechi has been doing this as well and she makes videos she's on um, Instagram and TikTok and got to respect somebody who who cares enough to try and go out there and stand up for people so yeah so I've been listening to her podcast she does um she starts off with a tarot reading and then she talks about current events and she talks about people who she wants to big up and then people she who are just terrible human beings and and there's lots of laughs along the way and she has lots of insights really wonderful insights and the reason why I picked it this week is because I recently got a hold of her of her book. It was sent to me. Well, that's a bit of a story. What happened was I got an envelope in the post that was empty. And I suspected it was this book, but I didn't know for sure. So then her editor called Sarita, who's also an author, she but she's actually an editor. She works at Orion Publishing. She emailed me and said, asked me if I'd got the book. And I said to her, I think I possibly have, but I think it got lost in the post. I mean, literally got lost in the post, as in I got the envelope, I didn't get the book. So when I went into Carmel Lighthouse, I seem to spend a lot of time there, don't I? Anyway, when I went in, Sarita came and left me the book, uh, gave me the book. So I've got it here. And the synopsis is... Enter a world very close to our own, one in which technology can allow you to explore an alternate love life with a stranger, a world where you can experience the emotions of another person through a trip implanted in your brain, 
and one where you can view snippets of a distant relative's life with little help from your DNA. But remember, these experiences will not be without consequences. In this stunning debut collection, Kalechi Akafor combines the ancient and the ultra-modern to explore tales of contemporary, contemporary black womanhood, asking questions about the way we live now and offering a glimpse into our near future. Uplifting, thought-provoking, sometimes chilling, these are tales rooted in the recognisable but not limited by the boundaries of our current reality where truth can meet imagination and spirituality in unexpected ways. Allow yourself to be taken on a journey into worlds that are blazing with possibility through stories that will lead you right up to the edge of here. And like I say, that's by Kalechi Akafor and it's published on the 14th of September, coming very soon. Kalechi is doing a live action version of her podcast to celebrate the launch of Edge of Here. So let me know if you pick it up because I haven't had a chance to read it. It should technically be in the books I've been sent, books that have become into my post box section. But whilst I'm talking about her podcast, I thought I might as well bring up the Edge of Here. And if you have listened to the podcast, you'll know that Kalechi is very bold and she's very good seeing catching the zeitgeist of of our modern world so i'm actually quite interested to see to read what the what happens in the story so if you do manage to pick it up do you can pre-order it now but if you manage to pick it up in september do let me know do come back and let me know what you think and i'll let you know what i think when i've got a chance to read it but what i'm listening to is say your mind with kalechi akafor and you can also pick up her book. Someone is trying to frame me for murder, but I can't prove I'm innocent. I'd have to confess about my other husband. My Other Husband, the latest gripping thriller from Dorothy Coombson, the queen of the big reveal. Had me gripped from the beginning, says Jendela Benson. Kia Abdullah says, clever, unnerving, and utterly compulsive. The final few chapters left me breathless. And Vic Hope says you're going to love it. My Other Husband, out now in paperback. Okay, and here we are at the section that I like to call I've Got a Book for That. This problem is slightly more serious than the last episode's problem. And it's not been written by somebody who may or may not have been my husband. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let me get on with this. I've got, I've got a book for that. I don't know if you remember earlier on, a lovely letter from Sharon. And I'm going to read the rest of her letter, which is when she asked me if I've got a book for her problem. And so I am going to read it and then explain which book or books I have chosen. Your comment reminded me of a conversation I was having with my boss a few weeks ago. I had a sort of of out-of-body experience where I really started listening to what I was saying and my monologue was littered with, I used to do that, I was going to do that, I nearly signed up for, I'm going to do that when, 
I retire, I have time, I have more money, I move house, etc, etc, etc. Not going to lie, I was hugely disappointed in myself and became very low. What is all this talk of used to, was going to, will do? What do I actually do now? Apart from going to work and ironing. So Dorothy, do you have a book for that? A book that will give me a kick up the backside and get me back to doing rather than just talking about it. This is Love from Sharon. And yes, I do actually, Sharon, I do have two books for that. One book is my book, The Cupid Effect. The reason why I say The Cupid Effect is because it's, I know it sounds like it's a sort of fluffy book, but the actual inspiration behind The Cupid Effect was me needing to shake up my life because I just felt like I was doing nothing going nowhere and I was just spinning my wheels almost and so I wrote the book about a woman who decides to change her life she gives up a job and moves to Leeds from London to become a psychology lecturer and sort of hilarity ensues but the underlying message was she decided to change her life and to kind of get herself going and the reason why I wrote the book like that was because I I was in a job well I was a job as I had a job as a journalist and do you know what I wasn't enjoying myself and it wasn't a case of I was enjoying myself and I was unhappy it was just felt like I say I was spinning my wheels and I wasn't doing anything really of consequence and then I was ill one day and I was at home and I saw this episode of Oprah and a woman on there was talking about how she had she said what do you do when you realize that you're not actually doing anything with your life and you're kind of spinning your wheels but also you just feel like almost depressed but not quite depressed you're not depressed and you can't function but you just feel like your life is going nowhere and and before I knew it, I was crying my eyes out because I was like god that's how I feel this is how I feel and so I mean, I'm, I don't actually remember what the expert on the show said to her, but I do remember thinking, I don't want to feel like this anymore, so I have got to change things. And that's what became the inspiration for Kerry um, in the Cupid Effects journey, where she begins, she kind of gives up her job and she decides to do something else. And I decided to do exactly the same thing. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to change this. I'm going to leave this job that's not making me happy and I'm going to go and write a book. I'm going to go and freelance rather than doing this job. And that's not to say, that's not to say, Sharon, that you should give up your job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the book might give you inspiration to think that, you know what, I can change my life in different ways. There's something I need to sort of stop saying maybe I will or I used to do that and start thinking actually I can do that I don't necessarily need lots of money I just need to do something different you know if it's gardening or if it's if you've got a garden or window boxes if you haven't got a garden sewing like I'm doing sewing different things just get your spirit back and the other book which will help you with that and I read this around the same time all this stuff was going on was called You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. And before you all switch off thinking, oh my God, 
she's going to try to force positive thinking things down our throat when we know positive thinking is a load of nonsense. It's not at all like that. It's actually a book that's really helpful at getting you to reframe your thoughts because there's positive thinking for positive thinking's sake is a nonsense. It doesn't work. But this book kind of says to you, do everything you can, but try and change your mindset about things that that are happening to you. There's stuff you can't change. There's, you know, if you're living in poverty or you're having to work, having to use food banks, that's, you can't change that with positive thinking. And I, 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 and I hate the idea that people will try and tell you that you can. But what you can do is try and find yourself something that will help you comfort yourself and keep you going and remind you that you are doing an amazing job in really hard circumstances. And that's what this book does. It doesn't tell you to start thinking positively. It, start, it starts to tell you to give yourself a break and to remind yourself that you are doing a fantastic job when the circumstances are terrible. As I said, I found it really helpful when I was feeling like, you know, I I needed to kick up the backside and that I needed to do stuff to change my life. The main thing I got from the book is learning how to let things go, which I'm still a work in progress when it comes to that, but also how to focus on the good things that you are doing and focus on being remembering that you are doing so well when times are tough so hopefully Sharon this will help you to kind of if you do read this book it will help you to see that there's nothing wrong with you that how you feel at the moment is completely valid and that you are there are ways for you to change there are ways for you to get your spirit back there are ways for you to think okay I'm going to do that rather than I used to do that and to find new avenues of joy in your life. Let me know what you think and if it works. Both books, The Cupid Effect by me and You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought by Peter Williams and John Roger. Okay, now we're here at What's in My Post Box and what's in my post box, what's dropped through my door. I'm one of those people who, as I'm sure I've told you before, I don't open my post very often. It's really bad. It's a really bad habit that I've got, but for some reason, I just don't. So this week, what is in my inbox is A Deadly Likeness by Leslie McAvoy. And that's published by Bonnier Books. Now, this one is kind of special because Leslie is the expert, one of the experts I spoke to for Every Smile You Fake, the book I've just finished writing. And Leslie is a behavioral, so let me get it right because it's important to get things right. Leslie is a behavioral analyst, profiler and psychotherapist. She practices therapy, she is a therapist, but she also consults lots of organisations on 
on their staff culture, on the psychology of their businesses and their teams and how their people work. And that is kind of like what my main character, Kez, does in Every Smile You Fake. So I needed to speak to somebody who had experience of this and who did this job. And so somebody linked me up with Leslie McAvoy and she was great to speak to. She was so interesting. She gave me so many insights. She gave me a rundown of what it means to be a profiler and how to, what you look for with profiling. I remember saying last time that I, that writing this book has made me kind of wonder if I should have gone down the psychology route and become a therapist or a psychologist or something, or done something similar to what cares in my book does but anyway so she has got a new book coming out quite soon let me just check when it's coming out it is I did have it written down somewhere and just look through my notes okay and she's got a book coming out called a deadly likeness and it is published under in June 2023 and this is what the blurb says Jacob Malachy killed 15 people over a 13-year period. At the height of the murders, Joe McGreedy was at university and, as an exercise, compiled a profile of Malachi, which broke open the case and helped send him down for life. 25 years later, a copycat killer is recreating his murders. What's more, Malachi offers to help the police catch him from his own prison cell. Malachi claims he is repenting for his crimes. Joe doubts it. But as the body count rises, she can't ignore the killer's offer. What does he really want? And can Joe find out before anyone else dies? Oh, quite, sounds quite exciting, that. I am looking forward to reading this. I haven't read any of Leslie's books before, but she was such a great person to speak to. She's really, really interesting. So I was going to pick up one of her books as soon as possible. So if you get the chance do have a check out her other books this says it's a deadly likeness is murder in yorkshire book three so i'm guessing there are two books before that and we get to meet dr joe mcgreedy before that fantastic i'm looking forward to that so that's the thing main one that's been in my inbox my post box of this week Okay, we're at that point of the podcast where you may want to think about skipping ahead, maybe two minutes, if you don't want to hear me ranting. I'm not going to rant, as in raise my voice and shout, but I am going to say a couple of things. And yeah, if you're not looking to hear that, then do feel free to kind of skip forward a bit to the bit where I talk about where I'm glad about what I'm glad about and what's all positive but you know what for the full Dorothy Coombson experience the full big reveal experience to try and listen to this bit because it's interesting if nothing else and you can always message me and tell me how right I am (laughs) anyway let me get on to it so my part my thing that I am going to to get in the bin right now is photographic ID for voting. I know voting in the local elections is probably a distant memory for you right now, right now, because it, it was a, it was a while ago now, but it's still really irritating me. I mean, still, 
really still. Actually, do you know what? I think irritating is the wrong word. Devastating me. That's what it is. That's what... When I went to vote with my husband, my husband told the clerk who was standing outside asking people if they had ID that he thought it was disgusting and disgraceful that we needed basically photo ID to vote. It has to be a specific type as well. It has. It can't. You, you can't just show up with your bus pass or your gym card. It's got to be a specific type. And when I mentioned on the Bird app, you know, the Bird app, a couple of people, basically the trolls, came came at me with the oh, what's the problem? You know, you were warned. Why don't you just do what you're told? And you know what? Forget that. It's not about me. Yes, I had the right ID. I've got a driving license and I've got a passport, both of which are acceptable and both of, you know, and both of them which look like me, which is the other thing. If it doesn't look like you and it's the correct ID, they are able to turn you away. But it's about the people who who are now forced to jump through an extra hoop to take part in something that is their democratic right. How long did people have to struggle and fight to get the right to vote? And now this lot have decided they're going to just take it away from you. This bunch of... I'm not going to call them that because I don't want to get in trouble. But you know what? These bunch of people who have not behaved in the best ways, who have are constantly being sort of like spoken to by the police, and they've decided that they're going to make it harder for ordinary people to exercise their rights to tell this lot who are running things what they think. Who came up with this? Well, I know who came up with it, and I know why. And it's disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. There's been virtually no, and I want to say virtually no, I'm not talking about a couple of thousand. I'm not talking about a couple of hundred. There have been single numbers of people who have been convicted of voter fraud in the UK. But because this lot are scared about being voted out next time, what they decided to do to make it harder for everybody to vote. It's like when you're at school and somebody didn't want to do something. So they decided rather than taking their punishment, they're going to do something that make the whole class get in trouble and the whole of you end up sitting there in punishment for something you didn't do and something you weren't even thinking about doing. And I'm just a bit fed up of it. And But our right to vote is something that no one should have the right or the ability to mess with. We should be able to vote. We should be able to make our voices heard whenever we want to. And so now look at it. Now that we've got all these things, the public order bill, the immigration bill, we've got this, we've got that. We've got people striking and then being told they're not allowed to strike for as long as they want to strike. And then being told that they, they have no rights, basically. This is, it's disgraceful. And so... That is why photographic ID needs to get in the damn bin and stay there. Oh, we're getting closer and closer to the big reveal, book club choice. And I can't wait to tell you about it. Really can't wait to tell you about it. But before we get to that, What am I glad about? I am glad about lots of things. I've got lots of things to be glad about. And what has made me happy are all the lovely messages I've got this week from people who came to my party or just wishing me well. And I love you. I love you all. I thank you very much. And just to say, what I'm loving 
is the fact that I get to say thank you to all you wonderful people for being a support and being there and being a part of my writing journey. And here we are, my lovelies. We are at the Big Reveal Book Club Choice. Boo, boo, boo. I am going to try and get a proper theme tune for this part of the podcast because I think it deserves it. In fact, I think all of it deserves it. I'm going to have to look at getting a proper, specific Dorothy Coombson, The Big Reveal podcast theme tune at some point but anyway don't let me don't let me get distracted don't let me distract you let's get on with what we're here for and that is the big reveal book club choice and this time it is this one sky day by leonie ross this book is it's just beautiful i know i say that a lot but it really is i read it for the women's prize for fiction And it was just one of those books that just blew me away. It is so clever. And more than that, it's more than clever. It's just, like I say, it's just beautiful. I did tell one of my friends that you have to suspend all belief if you're not into magical realism or if you haven't read anything that is basically magical realism. But it is so, it's so stunning. And that is, I think that is the proper word. It's really stunning. The story goes, the, the blurb for the storyline goes. Dawn breaks across Popshire. The world is stirring awake again, each resident with their own list of things to do. A wedding feast to cook, conjure and cook. An infidelity to investigate. A lost soul to set free. As the sun rises, two star-crossed lovers try to find their way back to one another across this single day. When night falls, all have been given a gift and many are no longer the same. The sky is pink and some wonder if it will ever be blue again. And it is a story of these people, this special group of people who live on this island, the island of Popishow. And they wake up and there's going to be a, a, a big celebrity wedding and there's also going to be, there's also these people who are striking. There's all these, uh, and there's an election coming up. And there's all these different things going on. But there is something in the air that is sort of coming for them, coming for them all. And it's, the presence of that is very much, is very, very present and very, 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 very aware um, throughout the writing. The setting is this beautiful island and it's really weird because I feel like I've seen it because she describes it so in so much detail and with so much care and so much love and affection that you actually believe that this place exists and that at some point in your life you have been there or you will go there and you know what it looks like and you know how luscious everything feels and how warm it is and how alive it is with the people and the animals and the butterflies and butterflies are a very important theme all the way through but also with the legends and the rituals and the thoughts it's just amazing favorite characters were Annalise and Messena 
and he is the um the cook and it's not just a cook he is the restaurateur the guy who makes all these amazing foods and that everyone on the island indulges in when the book opens you don't realize that they are the two star-crossed lovers that the that the blur mentions and it's only over time as you find out their stories and their stories unravel that you realize that these two are meant to be together but no one's actually says it until a lot later in the book it's just so clever it's so clever there are so many different strands that come together that weave together and knit together it's just a great book I mean the deal book deals with all sorts of things such as sexual politics addiction food and grief and love and infertility and you wouldn't think that a book that deals with all those things all those really serious serious issues would have so many laugh out loud moments and so many wonderful characters who are just really lovely and then really terrible at the same time it's so clever there's some of the things that happen in uh, just absolutely hysteric hysterical and I just laughed and I was like sad and happy and I went through the whole thing I went through all the emotions all of the emotions were there that's why it's been chosen for to become a big reveal book club choice because you know it's feel good and clever and fun so yeah I am really really pleased to be able to add it to the big reveal book club pick list let me know if you've read it it has been out for quite a while you might have picked it up if you haven't do give it do give it a go the audiobook is actually read by the author so that's an extra special treat but the book is beautiful itself the hardback cover is wonderful the paperback cover is wonderful and then you've got the extra treat of having Leonie read it to you really proud to add this book to my list my book my book club list as I say regularly let me know what you think my email is in the show notes okay that's it for now peeps been lovely it's been wonderful actually speaking to you thank you for listening to me I really really appreciate it if you have managed to listen all the way through to the end because I know how busy we all are really there are so many demands on our time and so if the fact that you've stuck around with me for all this time I'm really grateful for it don't forget to drop me a line if you've read listened to or watched anything I've talked about and also if there's anything you think I should check out I am always open to hearing about new things this has been the big reveal with me Dorothy Coombson I am probably going to wave at the microphone again. So, yeah, just imagine me doing that. Bye.